Brought to you by Mountaineer fans for Mountaineer fans, the Country Road Webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into Season 5, Episode 139 of the Country Roads Webcast here, our Texas Review and Reaction Edition. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz, and as you can see, I'm flying solo for this episode. Just me here, so I'll try and keep it as short and sweet as possible. I know we got a bye week coming up, but me, Steven, and Bradley, all three are hoping to get together and record episode 140, just kind of a bye week babble edition, if you will, I guess. Well, we're going to talk some Big 12 and maybe just some other things other than WVU football, kind of try and back away from it a little bit, as I think we all may need to at this point. Following that debacle that was the unacceptable loss the West Virginia Mountaineers suffered at the hands of the Texas Longhorns on Saturday night by a score of 38-20 to to drop the Mountaineers to 2-3 and on the season. And they are currently 0-2 in Big 12 play and last in the conference down there at the bottom with Oklahoma, surprisingly enough, who is also 0-2 currently. So definitely a different look for the Big 12 this season. Different faces at the bottom, different faces at the top as well as TCU and Kansas are both undefeated, ranked in the AP Top 25 and College Game Days, heading to Lawrence, Kansas for the first time ever for that matchup between the two unbeaten teams at the top of the Big 12. And no, this is not Bizarro World. You have not entered the Twilight Zone. It's just been a kind of wild season, and especially for us here in Mountaineer Nation, it's been a roller coaster, I guess. Um, You know, a mixed bag early then really down in the dumps, and then kind of seemed like the fan base had started to maybe come around a little bit more and maybe buy in or at least get to the point where they could – felt like they could give this staff a chance and give this team a chance. And I think that this game against Texas, for a lot of people, us included here at the Country Roads webcast, as we spoke about it a lot in the time leading up to the game, felt that this game against Texas was the game where we're like, this is where we'll decide, you know, maybe we'll be back in with you, but maybe we're out, you know, and if you were on the fence, this game really puts you over one way or the other, I'm sure. And I'm 
find it hard to believe for anyone to still be in the camp of in the camp that's in favor of this coaching staff and what they're doing and what they have done up to this point and how the future looks for the Mountaineers moving forward with this program because at this time it appears rather bleak. I mean, we can list the list the things that contribute to that fact of how it seems that this coaching staff is just not a fit and it's not working here at West Virginia and maybe it's time to go another direction. I mean, Neil Brown has beaten, I believe, what is it, four FBS teams with winning records or something like that in four years. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. And then look at this season in year four. You know, you can't use the excuse of not having a quarterback anymore. We've got JT Daniels, got a capable offense for the most part, um, you know, this Texas game aside. But, you know, even in this Texas game in the second half, offensively they looked more like what we had seen the rest of the season. But all those excuses are now to the side. And look who West Virginia has beaten. They've beaten Towson and they've beaten a Virginia Tech team that, barring some type of miracle, is not going to finish with a winning record either. So another FBS team with a losing record, Neil Brown has beaten to, you know, help add to his win total, which is not very high. I believe it's, what, 18 and 21 um, through four years. Conference losing record, of course, as well. And then, you know, last year at the bye week, which, you know, this the Mountaineers had in the bye week after five games this year. It was after six games last year, and the Mountaineers were two and four headed into the bye week. Of course, they turned that around, ended up going four and two in the final six games to get to six and six on the season. But that being said, you look ahead here in 2022 now, a year removed from that. West Virginia's again heading into the bye week. Like I said, it's one game less. It's only been five games, but still a losing record, still only two wins as the Mountaineers sit at two and three. And when you ever have thunk that the Mountaineers would be sitting in the Big 12 basement, not only this week, but possibly for the foreseeable future, I just looking ahead at this schedule, looking at the teams that are left on it, there are no gimme games in the conference. If anything, people are probably looking at West Virginia thinking, hey, there's one we can win. So I don't know how West Virginia gets to six wins for one. And beyond that, I don't know how they claw out of the Big 12 basement and don't finish ranked 10th in the conference this season. And then even more so, it pains me to say it, you're you're going to surprise at least somebody. So let's say two more wins, maybe. Four and eight is not in year four. It's it's over. It's done. You know, there were people debating if six and six would be enough, you know. And I don't, like I said, I don't see West Virginia at this point right now realistically getting to six and six. Is it possible? Of course, anything's possible. It's absolutely not probable, though, and extremely unlikely. So then the discussion becomes, because if you're going four and eight, if you're going three and nine, if you're going five and seven, I don't see how you can justify keeping Neil Brown. So you're going to have to make a move with that with that result at the end of the season. If you're Shane Lines, Gordon Gee, you know, the athletic department, 
at the university. You're going to have to make a move at the end of the season because if you don't, then the fans are going to be in uproar. You're going to lose season ticket sales next year. You're going to lose revenue for the university, and they're just not going to be willing to do that. So they're going to cut ties um, at the end of this year. It almost seems inevitable at this point unless, you know, like I said, a miracle happens after the bye week. They turn it around and start winning games. But right now, like I said, it's looking like it's going to be a struggle to even get to, a, you know, two more wins, much less, you know, four more that you need to reach bowl eligibility. So that being said, if that's the result, it's inevitably looking like, and inevitably that would mean that this, you know, Neil Brown would be fired from West Virginia. Why wait? That that becomes the question then. If you're if you're West Virginia, why wait? Um I know maybe it's maybe it's something that just to stand on principle that, you know, they don't want to do and haven't done because I don't really know of any times that West Virginia has fired a head coach in the middle of the season that I can recall. Um, and maybe they don't want to be the first ones to do it if that is the case. That would be the only excuse that I could think of as to if you're looking down the road, and trust me, Shane Lines and the athletic department are looking down the road just like us as fans are with this result at Texas. and looking ahead at the rest of the Big 12, and they're wondering, are we going to win any more games? And they're thinking of the writing being on the wall as well, of what they're going to have to do at season's end. So the question not only is being posed to us as fans, you know, and popping up in our heads as to why wait to the end of the season if this inevitably is going to be what's happening and we're going to be – on a coaching search because we've seen other programs, they're making that move already. Georgia Tech made the move last week. Wisconsin surprises and makes the move this week. Uh, it's rumored that Auburn's going to be doing the same before long. And so these are programs, you know, power five programs that are going to be looking for good head coaches as well. And if they're getting the jump start on it, I'm not saying, you know, during the bye week, West Virginia should fire Neil Brown or anything, but I am saying – if you come out after this bye week and the team looks unprepared again like they did against Texas, because to me that was the most egregious thing. And I and I mentioned as much, you know, before going into the game on our uh, Q&A stream here on the YouTube side of things of the Country Road webcast here, but you couldn't come out against Texas and look unprepared and because due to the fact West Virginia played on a Thursday. Not only did they play on a Thursday, they had their game in hand fairly early into the second half, and they coasted through the fourth quarter. Texas played on Saturday. Not only did they play on Saturday, they played a hard-fought game that went into overtime, but they lost. So West Virginia had two extra prep preparation days on Texas, potentially, plus you know a game that went on way less runtime was um, not as much exertion late in that game from West Virginia as Texas was using, and then more prep time for the Mountaineers. Ergo, you would have assumed West Virginia is going to come out looking more fresh, looking you know like the team that's had that extra time, 
and it was the complete opposite case. If if you didn't know that going in, you would have thought the complete opposite because the one thing that you couldn't have happen that's going to be a terrible look for the coaching staff, that's going to be a terrible look on you, Neil Brown, is with this extra prep time, come out and just and just don't even show up early. And, and that's exactly what happened. The Mountaineers fell behind 28-0 before even getting a touchdown on the board just before halftime to make it 28-7 half. And like I said, they they played better in the second half, but at that point it was too late. The game the game was decided. And the most, you know, if that's not bad enough, and if that's not a bad enough look on the staff, it's the way that it continues to happen. Because in this game you saw things that were kind of a microcosm of things that you've seen during this coaching staff's tenure the past four seasons. It was, you know, Mental mistakes, bad penalties. I mean, for example, if this isn't the tenure in a nutshell, West Virginia opens the game, winning the coin toss, electing to receive the ball, which questionable decision in my opinion right there from the from the beginning. But nonetheless, you know, maybe you thought you had a good plan, you wanted to jump out on Texas early, take the ball and, and you know, get some momentum to start the game. Okay, fine. But West Virginia does that, receives the opening kickoff, comes out first play of the game before they ever even get to snap it, and it's a false start that we've seen how many times this season that we saw since the very first game against Pitt that hasn't been corrected four games in. And beyond that, we've seen since year one with Neil Brown that hasn't been corrected four years in. So if you want to go you know, beyond that even. So it's the mental mistakes. It's the penalties like that. It's, it's the... It's the drops and lack of execution, which, you know, I understand people saying, you know, Neil Brown didn't drop those passes. Neil Brown didn't drop those third and shorts, those fourth and shorts, or those open third down conversions or not catch those onside kicks. And you're right, Neil Brown didn't. But why on these Neil Brown teams has it been an issue for four years now? This isn't the first time. These drops have been an issue year in and year out. Both Bryce Ford Wheaton and Sam James have ranked in the top 10 in the Big 12 in dropped passes for three consecutive seasons. There's been some hills and valleys there. They've had some improvements. You know, last season they were up for the most part compared to where they were the year before. But then this season they're right back down. So it's a lack of consistency there, which you can point to throughout the program, throughout the team. And that's on Neil Brown. No, he's not He's not physically the one out there dropping the passes, and if West Virginia makes those plays, it's probably a different ball game, specifically early in the game, third and two. You know, JT Daniels probably could have ran for the first down, but Mike O'Laughlin could make the catch, gets hit in his bad knee, gets injured, and hopefully he's all right. That's a guy that's had terrible bad luck with his knees throughout his career, but he's a talented player, so hopefully he's okay. But he drops it on third and two. Moneyers say, okay, we'll go on fourth and two. And then drop another pass. Tougher, tougher catch there, but drop it again. You know, later on in the half, third and you know, probably long, medium to long, because it seemed like that's all West Virginia faced early in this game, which we'll talk about that in a second as well. But you know, crossing pattern, same James, easy first down, and he doesn't look the ball in and looks upfield and and drops it. Late in the game, West Virginia, you know, 
finally has a little bit of momentum, too little too late at that point, I believe. But kicking an onside kick, and it's perfectly executed, bounces over the guy's head, and, and it's just the guy that's on your hands team to do, you know, one thing, specifically catch the ball. And not only is he on the hands team to do that, that's what he's at your college to do as he is a receiver, and he can't hang on to it there either. That skirts away from West Virginia. You know, missed opportunities, lack of execution, lack of focus, lack of fundamentals, you know, looking the ball in, hand-eye coordination, simple things, you know, pitch-and-catch passes that should be caught that haven't been for four seasons. It's on. It's It's got to fall on somebody. We're not we're not firing the players. It's it's been happening for four years. It's only it's only one man that can be held held culpable. And it's the man at the top. And unfortunately, you know, he's a great guy. You know, everyone says that, and that's and that's fine and dandy. And I and I love that he's a great guy. And I love that he's, you know, tried to do the right things and you know, teach the team about the state and go to the coal mines and and you know, the recruiting and the fifth quarter program and all the good things are great. But being a good guy and, and doing all that doesn't doesn't help you win football games. And that's like like I said time and time again, that's ultimately all that matters. And it's not happening for whatever reason. And at some point you gotta cut ties. And you know, I hear people say, Well, then we're gonna start all over again. And in a way, yeah, sure, we are. But also, as I mentioned, I think that Neil has done a good job with the other aspects of the program. So whoever takes it over, it's not going to be near as bad as when Neil took it over, but also look around, look around the country now, right now in college, in in college football and, and look at not even around the country, look in, inside West Virginia's own conference here in, in the big 12, Kansas, Lance Leipold got there after spring. It was in April, I believe of last year. So he's been there, a year and what are we looking at? A year and five, six months, a year and a year and a half, maybe. And he has the Kansas five and zero, ranked in the top twenty-five, top you know, tied for first place in the Big Twelve. A year and a half in, and that's because the landscape of you know today's college football with the transfer portal and stuff. You can you can have quick rebuilds. You can have quick rebuilds, and I think you know. That's another thing that goes against Neil Brown is when you're looking at, you know, the Lance Leipolds that's done in a year and a half, the Dave Arandas that, you know, did it in two years. And here we are in year four of Neil Brown. And not only are we worse than we were when he got here, we're worse than we've arguably ever been. When West Virginia went four and eight, they weren't last place in the Big 12 uh, that year. I don't believe um, – I could be wrong, but I don't believe they finished last place in the Big 12. I want to say they were eighth or ninth. But, you know, West Virginia sitting tenth in the Big 12, and I don't – like I said earlier, I don't know if I see us climb out of there. So, yes, you're starting over in the sense, but also in today's college football, it's been proven that quick rebuilds can happen. And if West Virginia gets the right person in here, that accompanied with the fact that Neil Brown's not going to be leaving the program in as dire straits as it was left in to him, I think that West Virginia could be in good shape to turn it around in a year or two. And why not give it a go? Because – did you hear what I just said a couple minutes ago? West Virginia is in last place in the Big 12. You can't do any worse. You can't do any worse. And that's what it boils down to when you're when you're talking about making this change. 
you can worry about this and you can worry about that because there's always hypotheticals and nothing. If, if anything's been proven by this Neil Brown hire that was lauded nationally as a home run, including by us here at the Country Roads webcast, and like I said, many pundits around the world, any talking head that you heard was praising the hire and that it was a home run. So you never know one way or the other. You got to take the chance. That's all I'm saying. You know, it's it's to that point, unfortunately. It really is. And that doesn't mean that we're not supporting the team here at the Country Roads webcast, that I'm not personally supporting the team. I'm going to watch every game. I'm going to cheer just as hard, and I hope that we turn it around and, w- and win the rest of them. But at some point, you got to take the gold and blue glasses off when you're trying to take a step back and look at the program. And you have to say, what are we doing? You know, where are we going? And that doesn't mean you don't want West Virginia to win. That means you want West Virginia to win really bad. And, you know, I supported Neil Brown for over three years, you know. And it's not that I don't support Neil Brown and don't want him to be successful. I would love for him to. I would love for West Virginia to come out after this bye week, like I said, and turn it around. But realistically, we have a sample size of over three years now. Almost halfway through a fourth year. It doesn't look much different in 2022 with three recruiting classes, transfer pieces, whatever you want to say, than it did in 2019. In 2019, West Virginia was struggling to run the ball, especially against good teams. This year, West Virginia ran the ball well in the first four games. And we said, Texas, though, this is a different animal. Those other teams have good defensive lines, but they're not huge 300-plus pound road grading run stoppers like you're going to see at Texas that they can move in and out like nothing because they've got six deep at, you know, three or four positions on that defensive line. And those are the teams that West Virginia has to be able to run the ball against. And Neil Brown himself has said, if we want to be successful, if we want to compete for conference titles, we have to be able to run the ball against those top-tier teams. We have to be able to run the ball and win games in November and be able to run the ball when they know we're trying to run the ball. And guess what? West Virginia couldn't do it. West Virginia couldn't do it against Texas. And let me tell you, Baylor, the West Virginia's facing after the bye week, their defensive line is just as good, just as big. Oklahoma State, same. You can go on down the list. But the point being that I'm trying to make in regards to that is 2019 West Virginia couldn't do that. And, you know, I mentioned even, you know, going before to this game, how Neil Brown talked about after two spring practices in 2019 being like, whoa, we don't we don't have the piece. It's going to take a while here for this offensive line. And then, you know, on his radio show leading up to this Texas game, praising how far they'd come and how they have these offensive linemen now. And we feel like we can run the ball successfully because they had in the first four games against teams that the jury's still very much out on, even Pittsburgh, who just lost to Georgia Tech. But I digress. You come out this week and you face one of those teams that you've talked about that you've got to be able to run the ball against. 
the teams that are stout against the run defense, the top teams in the league. And what do you do? You run for 61 yards. 2019, when Neil Brown first got here, West Virginia struggled to hit 100 yards for a while. I think they finally did. I want to say against NC State when they dressed some things up and they ran the ball for one week and we thought, oh, okay. And then, no, everyone, you know, got a beat on that and then they couldn't run it anymore for the rest of that season. Was a struggle to hit 100 yards. 2020, struggled to hit 100 yards rushing. 2021, struggled, few and far between. Over those first three years, only 13 times did West Virginia run for over 100 yards as a team. Now, they were 13-0, and so we were kind of hanging our hat on that, on that stat saying, well, if they can find ways to run the football, and it seems like under Neil Brown, they'll be able to win games. And and maybe that's true. But also, West Virginia started the first four games this year, over 100 yards rushing in all those, and over 200, actually, if you take away sacks in a couple of them, and they went 2-2. Two and two. But like I said, the verdict is out on those teams. And then now you face a good team. And you, you can't muster more than, you know, like I said, 61 yards rushing. And so, four years in, 2022, with pieces Neil Brown has said on his very own radio show, leading up to the game, that they had pieces and they felt like they could run the ball. And West Virginia muster 61 yards. How's that different than when he first got here in 2019? Where's the improvement? Is it improvement if you can now run for 100 yards versus teams that you should beat? Not really. Not really. Not to me. Not to me. And it's it's not only that. It's you can go across the board. And to and and. And show me where the improvement is. Hey, okay, de- defensively, even let's go. Let's go defensively. You know, we've all praised the West Virginia defense and the job that the defensive staff has done, and I think that's that was rightfully so, maybe for the first three seasons. But let's flash back to 2020. You know, COVID year, people want to call it aberration, whatever, whatever it is you want to say about that year, that's fine. But but for this case, 2020 West Virginia was a top ten. In total defense, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I know they were number one, finishing the country number one in pass defense, right? Thought we were really on to something, had a defense that could figure out, had maybe figured out, you know, how to stop these Big 12 offenses. What's happened since then? I'm just saying, you know, even even defensively, they they haven't, not only have they not held the same, this Defense that we're looking at this season, I would compare to 2012, 2013, you know, Joe DeForest defenses, especially in the secondary that we've seen so far. People can pick and choose. I mean, they they do what they want. I'm just saying. Maybe, Maybe special teams, you could say that's improved. But other than that, where's, where's the improvement? Where's the improvement? Because I just, you know, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it, and I know this is a super negative, you know, ranting edition here of the Country Roads webcast, but that's where we are right now as a fan base, right? That's where we are. Um, I'm gonna get 
to some uh, questions that I got from uh, Mountaineer Nation on Twitter. I'm going to close out with that here in a bit and won't keep you guys too long, as I said, solo episode. So a couple more things I want to touch on, and then we'll touch on those questions and then uh, get on out of here for uh, Season 5, Episode 139 of the CRW Podcast. But appreciate you tuning in, whether you're tuning in on the video side or on the audio side. You can find the audio side on any podcast platform. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor, leave us a rating. That'll really help us a lot. But if you're taking it in the video side, whether you're taking it in on our channel or on the WV Sports Now channel, which you can now find us on the WVSportsNow.com website and the WV Sports Now YouTube channel, as we are a part of the WV Sports Now podcast network. Either one of those channels that you're watching on, be it ours or theirs, do us a favor while you're in here. Hit that like button. Give us the thumbs up on this video. That'll help its performance and help future videos performances as well. And if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Helps us. Helps you. Helps get more of this Mountaineer football content out to Mountaineer Nation. But most of all, we really appreciate you guys taking in the show through whichever medium you choose to take it through. Whichever, whether that be the audio side or the video side. It doesn't matter to us, but we just want to. Talk West Virginia and continue to grow the West Virginia brand and expand the Country Roads webcast community throughout Mountaineer Nation. So we really appreciate you guys that continue to come and want to be a part of it. That being said, I know a lot of this episode has kind of been a rant on the state of the program, but that that's all right. But, you know, speaking more about the game against Texas specifically, what really I think hurt West Virginia early was their inability to run the ball. I think game plan wise, they thought they had something passing wise and they came out almost throwing almost exclusively on that first drive. And and to be honest, it worked. They had, you know, they were in good position, they had a nice game to Sam James, and then that third and short, they had a conversion, and then even on the fourth down they had a conversion. So it wasn't a bad game plan, but I think West Virginia, deep down, maybe thought they couldn't run the ball up the middle against those big Texas defenders, but they never really even tried either. That's what that's what kind of bugged me. When they did even run, they were running outside zone. You know, almost exclusively, it seemed like did not see many inside run inside zone runs, and because of that, West Virginia really got behind the chains a lot on early downs. They were not very effective on first down. I mean, they were lucky to gain a yard or two. And a lot of times it was, you know, they were going backwards. And that really killed them because then they were facing third and longs all first half. Texas was pinning their ears back. They were killing them because they could. They knew what was coming because they had West Virginia right where they wanted them. And West Virginia's lack of success to be able to run the football and, you know, be able to make any headway whatsoever really on the early downs. Just had them too far behind the chains, and it was a recipe for disaster, especially with, you know, the West Virginia defense playing as poorly as it has. And, you know, in this game specifically, the secondary stuck out like a sore thumb. I mean, Texas players were just wide open. It could have been even even worse than it was, if I'm being honest, because there was a couple times yet again we saw it against Virginia Tech. Grant Wells missed a couple wide open guys. Texas, you know, missed a couple as well that, you know, on would have been touchdowns. And it doesn't really seem to matter who West Virginia has back there. 
you know, at, at corner or safety. Although I will say Aubrey Burks did play a, a good game at safety. I think he was West Virginia's highest graded coverage player on PFF. And then Andrew Wilson Lamp, who lo and behold, when he played, finally they finally decided to play him. They finally decided to let him on the field. You know, free Andrew Wilson Lamp, I guess. He makes he makes a good play, tips a pass. And I think he played about 25 snaps only, but he was West Virginia's second highest graded uh, player in coverage. So if everyone is kind of looking similar and the secondary is struggling no matter what, why not play Spells and Wilson Lamp? Let these young guys just get in there and play because obviously the players you went out and got in the transfer portal secondary-wise did not work out. Not work out that great, so... I don't know. That's, you know, I'm not going to go player of the game or anything this week. Just doesn't feel deserving enough to me. It was a unacceptable performance all around uh, by the Mountaineer team in this loss to Texas and hopefully better and brighter days ahead, but I don't know what it's going to take to get there. But we will get there one day, and that's what we all can look forward to uh, throughout Mountaineer Nation. And while we're all kind of clamoring and and ranting about the state of the program and wanting to see a change because we do deserve better as fans. I know maybe West Virginia doesn't fire coaches in the middle of seasons traditionally, but there's a lot of things that have changed. It's a new day. It's a new dawn. I mean, look at college football. It's a totally different game. Let's stay ahead of the curve. I did put out a post on Twitter, and I did get a couple uh, responses back for uh, questions, so we will feature those here to close out. Season 5, episode 139 of the CRW Podcast, our Texas Review and Reactions edition. All right, so first one here from at F says, Hypothetical, if A&M were to fire Jimbo tomorrow, what's the move? Ooh, interesting question, interesting question, especially with the statements that Jimbo is, you know, came out and, and said um, about his willingness to come to West Virginia, be that coach speak or not. And, you know, that's a whole nother discussion that I'm not going to get into in regards to that. But I don't think A&M would fire him, for one. I'll lead with that. Uh, number two, if they were, if they were to, specifically this season with West Virginia in the position, who knows? But here's what I'll say about this Jimbo thing. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not I'm not trying to, you know, dampen anyone's spirits and stuff. I think that'd be awesome. You know, West Virginia guy comes home. And we love those type of stories as Mountaineer fans. That's why everyone loves Bob Huggins so much. And I think that they really want to find the football version of that. And they long for it, especially with, you know, thinking that we had it with Rich Rodriguez and the success that we had with him and how that turned out. And I think it's like, seems like West Virginia fans have been longing for that ever since. Um, you know, you heard the Saban rumors every time there's coaching search, you hear the Saban rumors, you hear Rich Rod pop back up. And I think with Jimbo Fisher, it's a case of that as well as it would be awesome. You know, it's a great story. It's, it's storybook. It's, you know, screenplay worthy that you would see in, in a movie, you know, hometown kid comes back and wins West Virginia the first big 12 title or, you know, even national title. Would be an amazing story, but it's a pipe dream at best, in my opinion. That's that's kind of where I'll leave it at. I'd love to see it, love to see it, but 
don't see him leaving AM and just I just don't want to ever see it in the cards. As sad as I as bad as I hate to say it. But and then one more here we got from at chipster22a. Uh this kind of seems more like it's uh posed to Neil Brown more so than uh us, but we'll uh, we'll address it. Um uh, why after last year, Mr. Brown, didn't you go all out? over the winter to recruit some secondary defenders. That unit is a joke, and we're very tired of seeing opponent receivers with no one within 15 yards of them. How fast can you pack up your stuff? <laughs> so, I mean, if you wonder how Mountaineer Nation's feeling, I've seen a lot of jokes about packing in U-Hauls and stuff. But that being said, in regards to the corners and the players that West Virginia added in the secondary, they did go out and add players in the transfer portal after they lost some of these secondary players. But I think therein lies the problem, if you look at it. If these are the players that they evaluated, that they thought were going to be really good for the program, and they definitely did, because unless they just love lying to us, which also that seems to be a thing, stuff they say throughout the offseason that doesn't come true, different discussion. But anyway, throughout the offseason, they're saying, this could be the best defense we've had here. This secondary, these guys we went and got, we've got really long. We've got really fast. We can recover. We're going to play man-to-man. We've only been able to play zone. Now we got guys that can cover. We can play man-to-man even. Is that not what we heard in the offseason? It is. It is. I promise you, go back and listen. That's what we heard leading up to this season, offseason, and preseason. And we see the secondary and how it's performing now. So, I say that to say, if that is the case, and those are the players that they evaluated and went and got in the transfer portal, and that is the way they felt about said players leading up into this season, and those said players have performed the way that we've seen them perform in this in the games this season, then doesn't that speak to maybe another issue with this coaching staff? Just saying. Maybe their evaluations on talent and who should play and who shouldn't and who fits what and who doesn't. I don't know. You know, I'm just I'm just making assessments here, but from the outside looking in, that's what it seems like. Because those guys that they evaluated and said all these things about have not looked great. The ones that have looked the, the better are the younger ones that they they weren't trusting. The Andrew Wilson lamps that we thought we wouldn't see for who knows how long. The Jacoby spells that we you know finally are starting to see a little bit. And those are the guys that they thought they couldn't play, so they had to go out and get these new guys. So I'm just saying, could be another knock on the staff. That's what I'll say to that one. But I appreciate you guys that responded to our Twitter call for questions we'll try and do that more often you know following the games and then we can talk about it on our review and reaction episodes but that being said i guess that will pretty much get ready to wrap up this one here the texas review and reaction on season five episode 139 here of the country roads webcast really appreciate you guys tuning in whether it's the audio version which i said you can find on any podcast platform we appreciate you tuning in there and if you're on apple Podcasts, drop us a rating if you would while you're there or if you're tuned into the video version, what you can find on YouTube, Country Roads Webcast, or WV Sports Now. 
as I said, we are proud and thankful to be a part of the WV Sports Podcast Network there on the Sports Now Network. But whether you're watching on our channel or theirs, do us a favor while you're in here. Click that like button. Hit the little thumbs up button there. It's quick. It's easy. It's free. And it really will help you know, grow the West Virginia brand and grow the Country Roads webcast community throughout Mountain Air Nation because it'll not only help this video, but it'll help, you know, future videos as well, which helps get more word out about West Virginia, which is great, you know, continue to grow the West Virginia brand, right? That's what we all want to see is the Mountaineers thrive. And then if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Helps us, helps you, helps get more of this Mountaineer content out to Mountaineer Nation. That being said, we'll be back later this week, hopefully. Uh, mid to late week, we're going to try and release a bi-week um, Babble episode for Season 5, Episode 140 of the Country Roads webcast, but plenty of other Mountaineer football content coming in the meantime and in between time from us, especially here on the video side, some YouTube exclusive things. So if you're on the audio side, hop on to YouTube, type in Country Roads webcast in the search bar, hit the subscribe button, you can get double the content with some YouTube exclusive things as well. But that's a wrap on Season 5, Episode 139. Appreciate everyone that's tuned in. As always, I'm Jordan Cruz. And until next time, let's go. Now, if you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those streets.